this evening, Jude verse 17, and we'll read through verse 19. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. During our last study uh, in verses 14 through 16, which we spent some time there, of course, but we observed Jude's reminder of the impending judgment um, of God against ungodly men, of which Jude warned us in verse 4. And Jude quoted Enoch's prophecy concerning God's judgment, verses 14 and 15. And Enoch also, seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. If you recall with me, I told you last week, and we, we understand that this is a quote of Enoch, but yet this is not a quote from the Old Testament. There is no Old Testament reference in which Enoch states it that is recorded in Scripture. And so uh, we understand then that it is a, there's one of three ways by which this was transmitted to, uh, of course, Jude, in that he would make this quote of Enoch. And that is, first of all, it could have been oral tradition. And therefore, he knew it by oral tradition that Enoch had quoted this. It could be, of course, we find in, in the book of First Enoch, which again is a pseudepigraphical book, meaning it's not part of the canon of Scripture. It is not uh, recognized to be holy writ itself. It does not mean there's not truth within it, but that it itself is not holy writ. And if, it, if that is the case, then it could be that Jude is quoting from that reference, which, could still, which obviously is still true nonetheless, even though it is pseudepigraphical. And then also it could third be that God literally gave this prophecy of Enoch to Jude because remember the word of God is inspired, God breathed, and it could be that God, of course, literally gave this to Jude to record in his epistle. Regardless, it's truth all the same. And we know that, uh, and we recognize, of course, that to be the case. But there is no Old Testament text to which we can go and find this stated because it just does not exist. And in, in Old Testament. And we've seen in this statement of Enoch's prophecy, first, judgment is declared upon these men because they are ungodly. Second, God's judgment is declared upon these men for their ungodly deeds. Third, God's judgment is declared upon the ungodly manner in which they have committed these ungodly deeds. And then fourth, God's judgment is declared upon these men because they speak against the Lord as ungodly sinners. Jude further described the actions of these ungodly men in verse 16. He goes on to say, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Jude refers to four specific details concerning these ungodly men within this verse. First, he refers to them as murmurers, which is grumblers. Then second, complainers, and that's specifically in relation to complaining about one's lot in life. Third, living according to their lusts. They go about after their own cravings and desires or sinful fleshly desires. And then fourth is that they are manipulative. They speak arrogantly in effort to impress others to personally benefit. 
And so they look to be exalted. Remember in, in John's epistle, we saw where uh, John speaks of that uh, and speaks against uh, he who came and, and wanted preeminence among the church. Remember, he spoke of that and, and how that he did, would not even allow John as, as the apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He would not allow John within the, the church body to speak or to, to minister because he himself wanted the preeminence. And so there are men, of course, who are manipulative in that they speak arrogantly or they speak uh, in such a manner with the desire to impress others, not teach others, to impress others that they might be recognized or, or that they might be exalted or they might have preeminence within or among the body of Christ. We concluded our study last week with the reminder that the judgment of the ungodly uh, will is def, definite and certain. God will make all things new, we're, we're told, and God will ultimately make all things right in the end and for eternity. And we referenced, of course, Revelation 21, 4 and 5. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and shall be no, there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true, and faithful. And so tonight we move forward in, in Jude's uh, epistle, and we begin our study of the sixth of the seven divisions within this epistle, which consists of verses 17 through 23. Within these verses, we find that Jude gives his final exhortation within the epistle. Jude then concludes the epistle in his seventh division, verses 24 and 25, with a doxology. Jude began his final exhortation with a reminder. Look at verses 17 through 19 again with me. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. They be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. After Judah provided such dreadful news, consider this with me now. Judah just provided all this dreadful news about all these men. He's given illustrations, examples, pronounced woe unto all these men who are referenced in verse 4. Those who pervert the grace of God, turning it into a, an excuse for sin or an excuse, an excuse to sin. The word, again, lasciviousness means li- it, it's licentiousness or license, which of course is then... Uh, explained to be that of the freedom to sin. And so they turn the grace of God into, they pervert the grace of God into freedom to sin. And uh, it's these men in verse 4, these wicked men, which Jude then expounds upon within the following verses. From verse 5 and on, we find that he is explaining the attributes, characteristics, if you will, lack of character, and the, the manner in which they deceive and and how there is woe upon them and unto them. And so we, we see all this horrible, dreadful news between verses 4 and 16. And Jude now reminds the reader that they are not to be surprised at such wickedness as he had described, but rather the reminder is given that, that they might remain vigilant concerning the certainty of said wickedness. So he writes in verse 17, But beloved, but, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude is just reminding them. That's all he's saying. He's not giving them any new news. He's not saying, hey, I know you weren't aware of this, but I'm going to make you aware of something. He's saying, don't forget. Just remember. And and I said to you a few weeks back, if you recall, how that, uh, that, that wickedness abounds. And we saw this in Philippians, that wickedness abounds. Uh, all about us, and there's going to be 
wicked men and that wicked men make up the majority. The unregenerate, since the fall of Adam in the garden, the unregenerate man has continually made the majority of those who've been existent in life. And so this is not to surprise us. We should not be caught off guard. And Jude is saying, don't forget. Don't, don't be surprised at this. It's, it's quite amazing, isn't it? I mean, even, let's stop for a moment. Let, let's look at this very personally and practically. You know, I've said to you before, from the time I was a teenager until now, which has been <clears throat> quite a few years, uh, but the, since the time I was a teenager until now, I have seen in my lifetime, and I know you've seen in your lifetime, the continual digression of morality within our country, I'm talking, not, not to speak of the entire world, within our own country of morality and ungodliness and wickedness. And it's almost as though today the church acts as though this is of guards. Boy, this, how can this be? This shouldn't be this way. No, it's going to be this way. And Jude is saying, look, be vigilantly aware that this is going to be the case. Does it mean we just sit down and let time pass by? Of course not. We're to stand in the victory of Christ. We are to contend for the faith, as Jude said so clearly here in verse 3 of this epistle. But let it be known that this should not catch us off guard. We should not see here. I mean, did, did we really think, I know our country has been described because of democracy, if you will, quote unquote, um, but yet because of democracy and such as a, a hill or, or a, a city uh, standing on a hill, right, as a light shining forth. Listen, no, Christ is the light of the world, and the gospel is the light that shines forth. And did we really think that a country will just continue to be as it was or not digress in wickedness? And, and the reality is, now, do we enjoy that? Do we like that? Of course we don't. But we must understand that wickedness is going to continue until God makes all things new, until he makes all things right, and that will happen. But it's not going to happen until he destroys this earth as it is and makes all things new. And so we need to recognize this. And that's what Jude is really saying here. But beloved, remember, he's saying, don't forget the words which were spoken before the apostles. One of the apostles to which Jude referred was Simon Peter. As we have seen many parallel passages between Jude and Peter's epistles, in 2 Peter 3, 1 through 4, Simon Peter wrote, the second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now notice, Peter here is saying, I'm writing unto you to stir up your pure minds. He's not giving them any new information. He's saying, I'm reminding you that you might be mindful of that which was spoken before by the holy prophets. When Peter says the holy prophets, who is he referring to? The Old Testament prophets. They were the ones who prophesied. And what did they prophesy? In the last days. Peter's not saying, oh, not now, but in the last days. Peter's saying the holy prophets of the Old Testament prophesied that in the last days. And remember, it's Peter who said, these are the days which were prophesied by the prophet Joel at the day of Pentecost. These are the latter days. These are the last days. And so Peter is recognizing this and saying, look, remember, this should not catch you. Remember, there's going to be scoffers. Remember, there's going to be ungodly men. There's going to be wicked men. It doesn't mean we have to like it. 
It doesn't mean that we agree with it. It doesn't mean that we go with the flow. Of course we don't. But we must remember, don't be surprised at the abounding wickedness that exists and will continue to abound around you. I mean, think of it like this, if you will, just to put it very simply. We are called to be light in the world. Well, what is it that causes light to stand out? Exactly. (laughs) So it's in the darkness of the wickedness and spiritual death of this world in which we as as the ambassadors for Christ shine forth the light of the gospel. That's what makes the light to be Uh, its presence to be made known is the fact that darkness is all around but it's not darkness does not exist coexist with the light meaning in the same exact spot we shine forth as light in the darkness because darkness is all about us but that's what we are called to be so don't be surprised paul of course also warned of such men who would propagate wickedness as these of which jude warned in first timothy 4 1 through 3 paul wrote timothy now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Remember, uh, and when, when Paul writes to Timothy, do you not remember what's already been happening in Paul's day? Remember, Paul had to, to explain in his epistle concerning eating meat and not eating meat, drinking wine and not drinking wine, and how, oh, do you eat something that's offered unto an idol, or do you not eat something that's offered to an idol? And he spoke about the weaker brother, weaker brother, and how it's the weaker brother who does not understand that he can eat something that's been offered to an idol as long as he is not participating in the offering of this to the idol, because in these, he is then acknowledging the, the existence of this idol as though it has some substance. While, on the other hand, those who are strong, strong in the faith, and mature, spiritually mature, as Paul would speak of them being mature or strong, then these are the ones, of course, that it doesn't matter if it's been offered to an idol or not. We can eat it because we don't acknowledge the idol to begin with, but we're not going to participate in the ceremony of offering it to the idol. And all this was taking place in Paul's day. Paul's already addressed this, and here in Timothy he's writing concerning these same truths. Once again, the point here being that, that we are to expect wickedness to not only be present, but we are to be prepared and remain rooted in the faith that we not be deceived and that we remain in the truth of the faith as we warn others of such false prophets and heresies. Let's move on to verse 18. How that they told you there, remember, he says the holy prophets, remember those uh, who, who have spoken this before, of uh, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jude says, and Peter says the holy prophets of the Old Testament, of course, how that they told you, verse 18, there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. Now, the now mockers means scoffers. And these are men who would scoff at the faith and follow after their ungodly desires. When Paul went to meet with the elders of the church at Ephesus, for the last time, he charged them in Acts 20, 28 through 32. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch. 
And remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Notice this last statement Paul makes here in verse 32. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Paul's last statement in verse 32 sounds very familiar to Jude's statement in verse 24. Go to Jude verse 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of glory with exceeding joy. These are the same truths which, is be, which are being expressed by both Paul and Jude. Paul also further warned Timothy as an elder in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Within this text, we see that Paul also warns that these men of which he speaks will use diverse or various lusts by which they will appeal to the flesh and desires of those whom they deceive. Paul concluded his second epistle to Timothy with this charge, 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine or teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine or sound teaching, but after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Now, now notice there's a consistent truth throughout these scriptures. And that is, first of all, the latter days. But these have been the latter days or the last days since the day of Pentecost. And this is how it has been, and it continues to be. Don't expect it to be any different. Second, you'll find consistently, you find the matter of their own lust, their lustful desires. They are following after that which appeals to them in the flesh, not after the Spirit. And as I've stated many times concerning this passage in 2 Timothy 4, verse 4 specifically, there, there, are both, there is both an active voice and passive voice verbs that are used in verse 4. If you notice with me, this is very interesting, but, but it's important you understand this. And they shall turn away. That's active voice. They, the subject, are turning away, performing the action. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned. That's passive voice, meaning an action is being now performed upon the subject of the verb, not by the subject of the verb. And so he says here, they shall turn away their ears, active voice, from the truth, and shall be turned, passive voice, unto fables. So by default, men are rejecting truth by default, which inevitably leads to their continued rejection of truth. When men reject truth, they are left to only to their own lies, which is indicated by the passive voice verb phrase, shall be turned. This is, look, again, we wonder and we, we're, we're amazed and we stand and go, I can't believe that this country, this world is as wicked as it is. I cannot believe 
of what's going on in, in the country. I can't believe of what's going on in the churches. I can't believe of what's going on in the homes. Why not? The symptoms are pointing to a problem. And we should not be surprised at the symptoms that are a result of the problem. Because here's the problem. When men reject truth, all they have left are lies. And so the foolishness that men embrace today, when you're talking about... I'll just be very conservative here. Three genders. I said, when you're talking about, instead of hundreds, we'll just say three. No, there's two genders. You say, isn't this insanity? But why are we surprised at this? When men reject truth, all they have are their lies, and they will embrace their lives and live and die by their lies. It's what it is. They're turned unto these fables because they reject truth. Ultimately, what is truth? Remember, Pilate asked that question. Do you recall that? Pilate said, what is truth? And the irony of that question is, it was the very personification of truth that stood before him when he asked the question. He says to Jesus, what is truth? Jesus could have simply just said, I am. (laughs) Because he is truth. And yet, Pilate says, what is truth? And so the question is, what is truth? Christ is truth, ultimately. And so to reject truth, to reject Christ, is to be left to your own vices. Left to your own wisdom, which is foolishness, in light of the wisdom of God and salvation in Jesus. Verse 19. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the spirit. The verb separate means divide, and the adjective sensual means natural and not spiritual. So Jude warns by way of this reminder that there are those who will intentionally divide the body of Christ by their wicked and manipulative manipulative ways. These are men who follow their natural, which is equivalent to ungodly lusts of the flesh. They are not spiritually minded, neither can they be, because they do not have God's spirit within them. Paul explained to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Look, that's across the board. You have to understand, Paul is making a very broad statement here that is absolutely true every single time. There is no natural man who can receive spiritual truth apart from the Spirit of God bringing him to receive that truth. The natural, no matter how educated, no matter how wise, no, in worldly wisdom, no matter how intelligent, no matter how invested one may be even in the scriptures, no one can receive spiritual truth apart from God's spirit. Period. Which also means no man can just come to salvation on his own. He can't. It requires God's Spirit. By the way, we are born again. Not the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. God is doing this work, not man doing this work. We don't come to an understanding on our own. No, God brings us to understanding. He brings us to truth. And that's exactly what Paul is saying here. That the natural man 
cannot receive the things of God. He cannot know them because they are spiritually discerned, and he does not have the Spirit of God. Therefore, he's ignorant. Paul further warned the believers in Rome concerning those who lived after the flesh. Romans 8, 5 through 8. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The carnal mind cannot be subject, submitted to the law of God. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. It's only those who are in the Spirit. Who are those in the Spirit? Those who have been redeemed. So all of this wickedness that abounds should not surprise us. You will never yourself convince someone to truly, biblically trust or believe and rest in the sufficiency of Jesus. We proclaim the message. It's the Spirit of God that does the birthing. It's the Spirit of God that does the saving. We can't do that. But we are to declare the message. Why? That is the message God is using. He's using His church as that means to proclaim the gospel that men are redeemed and saved as the Spirit would work within them to bring them to this salvation, to give them spiritual life. So these warnings from Jude, from Peter and Paul, are, are warnings which not only inform us, but they are also calls to remain aware and diligent in the faith. Understand, he, he's not just saying, okay, remember this, be vigilant and be aware that the wickedness is going to continue to abound about you. There's going to be wicked men who will rise up. There's going to be those who are deceitful. There's going to be ravening ravening wolves who come into the flock. There's going to be those who divide the flock of God. That's their intent and purpose. There's going to be those who, who who will raise up to themselves their own disciples by appealing to the flesh of men and the fleshly desires of men. Again, perverting the grace of God. That's appealing to the flesh. Think about this for a moment. Here's how that's appealing to the flesh. Well, it doesn't matter what I do because God just forgives anyway. Oh, well, then just live however you want, right? Because there's always forgiveness. No, no genuine born-again believer in Jesus Christ believes or follows that illogical way of thinking. But boy, that sure does appeal to the flesh, doesn't it? Think of the churches that are packed with people because it doesn't matter. God's just a forgiving, loving God, and that's all there is to it. So live like you want, do as you want. It doesn't matter because... We all have the same Father. No, we don't. And just to clarify that for you, we are not all the children of God. Jesus himself said, Ye are of your Father, the devil. That's not God. (laughs) And he's the one who made that claim. So those Pharisees were not of God. They were of their Father, the devil. He was of his Father, the Heavenly Father. And they were of an opposing Father, Satan himself. And so... This mentality uh, of perverting the race of God into lasciviousness or licentiousness, of course, is ungodly and wicked. And it's even denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's doing, because you're denying the very purpose of this redemption and what Christ himself has said, and what the apostles teach concerning Christ throughout the scriptures. So this is a, not only an informative warning, but it's, an, it's a warning that is calling us, exhorting us to remain aware and diligent in the faith. Again, I I refer to Jude verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Why did Jude write this? Verse 4 is the reason. What is verse 4? 
For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the reason he says contend for the faith. There's an abundance of wickedness about us. There is an abundance. There there are numerous deceivers. There are many who have a form of godliness, but denying the very power thereof, of which Paul warns from such turn away. How there's, there's multiplied numbers and continuing to rise up, and people flock to them. Why? Because it's appealing. It sounds good. It, it makes me feel good. And that sinful, fleshly nature of man craves that which makes it happy or satisfies it, if you will. That which, that which is ignoring that which is spiritual and eternal, focused on that which is temporal and present at the moment. So Jude says, contend for the faith, for many are turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. Many are saying, oh, grace is there, so don't worry about it. Live like you want, do what you want. Grace is there, God's good, he forgives, so it's okay. And Jude says, no, contend for the faith. This is not the truth. And those people are going to continue to rise up. They're going to continue to be present. And the numbers of the wicked and ungodly are going to continue to grow. So remember this, don't be surprised. Don't, don't, don't shake your head in disbelief going, I just can't believe, I just can't believe. I just, no, it's going to happen. But the light shines the brightest where there is the greater darkness. And so where there is darkness about us, it is the light that is shining forth. So let us be Faithful in contending for the faith. Let's be faithful in standing victoriously in the truth of the redemption that is in Jesus Christ and all the counsel of God, the entire counsel and teaching of God through the Scriptures upon which we stand. And let us not be surprised. Don't be caught off guard because of wickedness. It's going to abound about us. But here's the beauty I told you. We contend for the faith. I told you last week. We contend for the faith with joy and with this confidence that we know the end of the story. We know that God will make all things new. We know that God will make all things right. And we know, again, I I said to you, that there will be no single person in eternity, even those who are perishing, not one person will be questioning who is Jesus. For every single one of them would have already confessed, He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All this will be made right. I rejoice in that. I'm thankful for that. There's great comfort in that. Oh yeah, it looks bad. It looks dismal, does it not at the moment? Yes, it does. Think about Paul in prison, going to be martyred for the faith, but yet there's joy and there's victory in Christ. So let us be mindful of these truths. Let us not... Let's not be distracted by 
the wickedness that surrounds us, but let us be committed to the faith and shining forth the light of the gospel in the midst of a crooked, perverse, and darkened world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for...